You're listening to another episode of Lords of Limited with your hosts, Ben Worney and Ethan Sachs. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Worney, and joining me on the line is Ethan Sachs. Ethan, how are you doing today? Ben, I've got a bit of scurvy today. How are you? Arr, matey, I'm doing well. <laughs> you had a big weekend this weekend. I did have a big weekend this weekend. I officiated a very dear friend of mine's wedding, so I was out of town for uh, four days. And at the start of those four days, we pulled up to this uh, this cabin in the middle of nowhere in uh, rural Wisconsin, and I got an email on my phone from Twitch. It was very exciting. Yeah, you got some huge news. What is it? Uh, I got accepted into the partnership program. Yeah. So I now have that sweet, sweet check mark next to my name. So serious question. How yeah. long how long had you been had that been a goal for you? Like when did you really start streaming with the idea of like was it at the very beginning when you started streaming? Yeah, I mean like so like I started streaming a little less than three years ago, but like I didn't start seriously doing it like five days a week until March of this year. Right, so it was kind of like when you and I met a little, yeah. a little before you and I met online. Yeah, for sure. But so it's like it had been like a goal or like I don't know a pipe dream, I guess, three years ago, and then a serious goal this year. So very cool that that came to fruition. Yeah, you worked super, super hard. Like you stream all the time. You're very good at it. I could not be happier for you. Thanks, man. That one of the pleb casual streamers is now joining the ranks of the professional. That's right. Yeah, it's very cool. I'm excited. So how does that change your, like, does, is anything going to be different with your stream? Um, I don't think so. Actually, I've not actually gotten a chance to stream since uh, being offered partnership. But I don't think anything's going to change. If anything, it, what will change is that I will be able to do it more. And I get to, like, offer the viewers more emotes, um, more incentives to watch, and hopefully do some other cool add-ons i'm gonna look into like things like the discord chat and other stuff that it seems like a lot of uh streams do and that viewers are interested in so definitely going to be investing more in things that make the stream better for viewers wait so does this mean that i have all of your emotes now i think so i I think i have to like i think i have to change them to like from what tier they are because now i think i have more slots for the five dollar tier but yeah, so you you will definitely get more emotes. You get a little piece of candy. Sweet. Um, how are you doing? How's your week? Doing well. I had a busy, busy week as well. We hosted a band contest at my school this weekend. So instead of traveling somewhere, we had 25 bands come to Little Paoli and Nana to do a band contest. So it's been a pretty insanely busy week on my end, too, getting ready for that. Good God. It's really successful. Band parents are great. Like, our kids have some pretty awesome parents. Contest went smoothly. It's pretty hot. We had a lot of kids, like... Probably about 20 or 25 kids had to get, like, EMT treatment. A couple had to get ambulance down to the hospital because they were dehydrated and stuff. Whoa. Serious business. Uh, that is serious. Everybody was okay, so. All right. Contest went smoothly. Band parents made buku bucks for the band parent organization, which is good. Yeah, that's great. Congratulations. Yeah. Nowhere near the level of weddings and Twitch partnership. I'm so psyched for you about Twitch. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's very, very exciting. All right. Enough of that personal mumbo jumbo we got a lot to get down to business today oh yeah we got a set review today who ixalan common uncommon set review for you all right why don't you take us through how we're gonna do this this time around yeah uh so we're gonna do something a little bit differently than normal uh we're gonna break instead of one gigantic like four to five hour long podcast episode we're gonna try an experiment and we're gonna break this up into 
five shorter episodes, one per color. So we're going to have a white, a blue, a black, a red, and a green episode. And then we're going to tack the gold colorless cards onto the last uh, color, which would be green. So we're assuming that as a listener, you're going to listen to all five of these in a row. They're meant to be like a set, a collection of episodes. But it'll be a lot easier, I think, with five separate episodes for you if you're driving to work one day and you want to listen to our white set review. Like, you can just, boom, download the white one rather than having to, like, like, because I imagine, well, some people probably do, but I imagine very few people actually just listen to five hours of a podcast in one sitting. So this will make it easier to digest, we hope, I think, is the goal. Yeah, and we're definitely looking for feedback. So let us know on the various forms that you have to get in touch with us if this is successful or not or if you have ideas about how to improve it please let us know yeah for sure and we've got another new idea we're gonna well not a new idea (laughs) uh, somebody else's idea new to new to our podcast we're gonna try to transition to the limited resources grading scale Um, so i think ethan why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, our plan for that yeah so i think uh starting this podcast i was very conscious of like we're two guys doing a limited podcast that already sort of exists and has very been very successful for many years, and I'm very conscious of trying to not be super derivative of them. And I think we've done a good job of deviating and showing like what sorts of things we're trying to offer uh, differently. And I think changing the grading scale is not the most helpful way to do that. I think for the listener, it seems the easiest to stick to a grading scale that most platforms are using, which we'll explain in a minute, the sort of A through F grade school grade scale. I think that's just going to make it easier for people to check like what we thought of a card versus what other um, people doing set reviews are thinking of cards. Um, so, But again, looking forward to feedback on that, what you think about that. Yeah, and I'm really looking forward to listening to the limited resources set review now and seeing how they graded cards compared to how we graded cards on, yeah. on their scale, you know what I mean? For sure. I think that, yeah, that <laughs> selfishly, I'm like, I wonder that that's going to make it a lot easier for me to see where we were versus where they are. So to that, why don't we start talking about what that grading scale looks like yeah the first one uh the a's are going to be your bombs game winners they're cards that are good in many situations especially when you're behind some of the best cards in the set uh, the bomb rares and your hyper efficient removal spell type cards so from your last set some examples of that would be the scarab god and his crew the other gods uh nickel bolus god pharaoh grind to dust and god pharaoh's gift Bs are going to be strong cards that pull you into color or make you want to play that color, reasons to be in a particular color or combination of colors. These are going to be top tier commons and uh, good uncommons. So from last set, Sifter Worm, Desert's Hold, Ominous Sphinx, If Near Deadlands, and Abraid. Your Cs are going to be your solid playables, the meat and potatoes of any limited deck. They're very interchangeable. Your average type creatures, normal removal spells, maybe a little on the clunky end. Um, your Oketra's Avengers, your Unsummons, Lethal Sting, Kenra Scrapper, and Ronus's Stalwart would be some examples from the last set. Ds are sometimes playable, below average, 22nd, 23rd type cards, begrudgingly playables, um, Disposal Mummy, Tragic Lesson, Lurching Rot Beast, Granitic Titan, and Gift of Strength are good examples of those. Your Fs, your unplayables, cards you should never put in your deck are very weird rares that don't really have applications in Limited. Some examples of that, Life Goes On, Solemnity, and I'm sorry, Dr. Katz, Swarm Intelligence. Wow, I saw that on the list and I was like, we're going to get some hate mail from that. He's going to rescind his five-star iTunes review. (laughs) Um, There's a couple other categories as well that go along with this. Uh, One is sideboard cards. These are cards that don't make the main deck, but when you board them in can be very powerful. The Cycle of Defeats from the last set, Crook of Condemnation, those kinds of uh, sort of narrow cards. 
Yeah, and the last category of build-around cards, cards that don't do much on their own, but when you actually build around them with the rest of the cards in your deck, can be anywhere from good to great. Um, some examples of this from the last set are Imminent Doom, Abandoned Sarcophagus, and Riddle Form. Yeah. We're going to only discuss the new mechanics from the set once, here on this first uh, episode, the white set review. So, Enrage is the first of these new mechanics. This is an ability word, which is a word that appears in italics and has no intrinsic rules meaning. Uh, it triggers an effect when a creature is dealt damage. Uh, Enrage is only on dinosaur creature types. Next mechanic is returning from the cons of Tarkir block. So if you played back then, you'll recognize this one. It is Raid. It's an ability word that triggers an effect if you attacked with a creature during your turn. Treasures are a new artifact subtype appearing in this set. These are cards in the set that are going to generate treasure tokens, which is a colorless artifact token that has tap, sacrifice this artifact, add one mana of any color to your mana pool. Uh, Explore is another one. This one's going to be a powerhouse for limited, I think. Yeah. Uh, this is a keyword action that appears on 13 creatures in the set. Explore says, reveal the top card of your library, put that card into your hand if it's a land, otherwise put a plus one plus one counter on this creature, then put the card back or put it into your graveyard. So it's essentially going to help you find lands, you actually draw a card if you hit a land, or if you need land drops, you can put the card that was not a land in your graveyard and dig a little deeper into your deck looking for that land drop. Yeah. Vehicles and crewing are returning, so uh, a vehicle is an artifact that has power and toughness on it, but is not inherently a creature all of the time. It needs to be crewed, so if it has crew 2, that means you have to tap uh, creatures with power uh, up to that, that power to be able to activate it being a creature for that turn. So you can tap a 2-power creature or 2 1-power creatures, etc. Double-faced cards are also returning with a new twist uh, to Ixalan. If you've not ever played with double-faced cards before, they're a little little clunky. Each double-faced card has a front face, and for all the Ixalan double-faced cards, this face has a compass icon in the upper left-hand corner. That's the default face, and the, the card starts on the battlefield with that face up. Um, and an ability on the card instructs you to transform the permanent. You turn it over so the other side is face up, and whichever fa uh, side is face up tells you what the permanent is and what it can do. Um, and transforming a tapped card to its other side doesn't untap it. So, for example, if you've got one of these flip cards and you tap it, and tapping it causes it to transform that turn, whatever it transforms it into is going to still be tapped. And then you cannot play any of the double face cards with their backside face up. So you've got to start on the front side, meet some condition on the front side, and turn them over to, to their backside. And when a double face card isn't on the battlefield, it's only got uh, the characteristics of the front side of the card. It's A-side, if you call it an A-side and a B-side. Great. Oh, boy. You ready for this? I am. And for anybody that wants to follow along at home, we're using uh, mtggoldfish.com. We're going through each color, and we're filtering by commons and uncommons, or you can use your own preferred website. We're going to go through alphabetically, um, and we're going to start with white here. Okay. First card on the list, first common from white, Bishop's Soldier. One and a white for a 2-2, two -two, Vampire Soldier, and it has lifelink. What do you think about this? Uh, this card just seems rock solid to me. I gave this a C. Classic bear with slight upside. And, it, and it's a vampire, which I, we're going to see throughout the set. Um, this is a bit of a tribal set, so vampire could turn out to be very relevant, depending on what sort of synergies you get up to. Yeah, oh, totally agree, and I gave it a C. What's next? Next up, we've got Demystify, a single white for an instant that says destroy target enchantment. So there are some good ores floating around this set, so I think this will be a viable sideboard option, but it's just that sideboard card. I can't imagine that the format will warp so much that you'll want to main deck it, so I just gave it a sideboard C. 
Yep, I gave I was a little lower. I gave it a sideboard D. Next up, we've got Encampment Keeper. Uh, it's a cycle of uh, one drops that have uh, an eight mana ability on them. So this one is a one white mana for a one one first strike creature hound, and it has seven and a white tap sacrifice Encampment Keeper. Creatures you control get plus two plus two until end of turn. This is a really tough card to evaluate. I think. Yeah, it's got several applications. One as a one drop, it's going to turn on raid if you've got two drop creatures for raid, mm-hmm. and it's it's borderline like doing things as a one one first strike and that's not really what you'd want out of a card but it does wear auras and equipment well mm-hmm. um and then i do think white is trying to go wide so if you're if you get to eight mana if you're flooding out uh, that ability is powerful if you've got a lot of one one we're gonna see a lot of one one lifelink vampire tokens running around this set so i think how good these cards are is directly correlated to how many treasure tokens you have floating around because I think that's going to be the biggest application of getting to eight mana here is like if you've got two or three treasure tokens that you've incidentally received from various cards, and then you can dump them into a power, powerful effect like this. And I don't think white has treasure tokens. Is that right? I don't think so, no. Yeah. So it's you're going to have to pair it with one of the colors that does produce treasure tokens. But I think this is pretty okay. Like, I'm not, I don't think I'm slotting this in if I don't have things making treasures but if i do i think i could be convinced to run it so I, i'm sort of on like a d plus c minus edge for this card you're, you're a little higher than me i gave it a d oh, okay but I, I do think it's playable sweet uh next up we've got kinjali's collar it's a single white for an o3 human cleric creature uh, and it has the text dinosaur spells you cast cost one less to cast so sort of an early blocker and ramp if you're in the dinosaur deck yeah so like how many dinosaur cards do you have to have in your deck to feel good about this like this being like sort of a pseudo mana dork uh like at least 10 i think yeah that's what i think so does that mean it gets a build around grade because that's sort of where i went towards yeah that seems right to me yeah i I sort of think it's a build around c like if you've got 10 plus dinosaurs and dinosaurs are only in the naya colors so white red or green but i think if, if you've got that then i think this is like a build around c Yeah, that sounds right to me. Build around C. All right, this next card, I want to be a lot better than I think it is. Uh, I feel similarly. (laughs) Legion Conquistador is two and a white for a 2-2 vampire soldier. And it says, when Legion Conquistador enters the battlefield, you may search your library for any number of cards named Legion Conquistador, reveal them, put them into your hand, then shuffle your library. So this will remind people of a card, Squadron Hawk. Yeah, Squadron Hawk's back, right? Yeah, Squadron Hawk's back. So Squadron Hawk was very similar, but it was one and a white for a 1-1 flyer, not two and a white for just a 2-2 vanilla. Right, and I think Squadron Hawk is better in every aspect. Like, it's cheaper, and I would rather have a 1-1 flyer than a 2-2 dork. Unless vampires end up to be insane. But vampire, they're, like, at, at least at the common and uncommon level, there isn't a vampire payoff. No, that's the weird thing with all this tribal stuff. I guess, well, uh, so hold on, there is. There is a black uncommon that, like, drains your opponent yes, for yes. the number of vampires, but that's it. Yeah, but there are a lot of good ones in the rear and, and mythic department. So if you if you open one of those and it ends up being, like, correct to move in, then this card could go up a lot. Yeah, I mean, it does seem like you're gonna if you want this card, you're probably going to be one of the only people at the table who wants them. So you should be able to get, grab, like, three or four for your deck. I just don't know how good that is. Like, a 3-mana 2-2 that, like, finds, that draws you two other 3-mana 2-2s just seems like clunkiness finding clunkiness. 
I I agree. Unless they're like getting sick bonuses from all your vampire synergies. Like if right. if the nuts vampire deck is really good, I think this card will probably be pretty good in the nuts vampire deck. Yeah, I, I don't know. What I'm not at like C minus. Like it's not unplayable. That's exactly what I gave it. I gave it a C minus. Okay. What's next? Next up, we've got Legion's Judgment. Two and a white for a sorcery that says destroy target creature with power four or greater. So we've seen various iterations of this before. Notably, the one I think of is Smite the Monstrous, which was mm-hmm. one more mana and instant speed. Yeah. And that card was even a little bit little bit clunky, and you didn't always end up wanting to main deck it. And from what I can see so far, this set seems to not have, despite having dinosaurs, <laughs> this set seems to not have very many big creatures to me. There's only a couple of dinosaurs that crack like four power and toughness yeah i think i went through and counted i think not counting the gold cards i think it's 16 creatures with power four or greater so it's not a lot and you don't the fact that it's a sorcery means you don't get to blow people out with combat tricks like if they're going to pump their creature then you can go okay great smite the monstrous or whatever legion judgment doesn't let you do that so this card i think might just be sideboard material i I, i'm not convinced that i want to main deck this card I'm not either, but I didn't give it a sideboard grade. I just gave it a C minus. Maybe it's even maybe it's even a D because you're not. The sideboard is actually probably just better. I don't think I'm main decking this card. I don't think you are. At least at the start of the format, I'm not gonna be main decking this. So maybe like a sideboard C plus. Sideboard C plus seems good to me. Like if you're bringing it in, it's probably for rares or mythics or like great uncommons. And if you get to kill one of those, it's gonna be pretty dang good. I think. Yeah. All right. Next is Looming Altasaur. It's uh, three and a white for a dinosaur creature with power and toughness one and seven it's gonna do some blocking gonna do some blocking yeah i mean interesting stats not very interesting card i gave it a c minus i was a little lower i gave it a d plus but i mean we're splitting hairs yeah if you want to block put it in your deck right next up we've got paladin of the bloodstain this is a good one um, this is three and a white for a creature, a vampire knight for a three, two. And it says when Paladin of the Bloodstained enters the battlefield, create a one, one white vampire creature token with lifelink. What do you think about this guy? I think this card's really good. Four, three worth of stats for four mana split up over two creatures, giving you a little bit of lifelink. Two vampires, no less. Two vampires. But again, I don't see other than that one card. I'm not seeing a lot of vampire payoffs, at least at the common on common level, but I still think it's a really good card. There is like some some uh, bounce synergies in blue that we'll get to that this also works well with because it has an end of the battlefield effect. I think all that adds up to a pretty solid common, and I gave it a C plus. I gave it a C plus as well. All right, next up is Pious Interdiction. This is three and a white for an enchantment aura. It says enchant creature. When Pious Interdiction enters the battlefield, you gain two life, and it's a pacifism effect. Enchanted creature cannot attack or block. Yeah, this card's good, and I think we learned last set to respect some incidental life gain. Which we've already seen a little bit of. Like, we have a, a bear with lifelink, we have a 3-2 that makes a 1-1 lifelinker, so I think uh, think there's a lot of life gain abound, and this is uh, no exception. Well, and part of that is, too, right? There's several vampires like are in white and black, and they're kind of using life as a resource, right? There's a lot of cards that have, like, pay X life to do some sort of an effect. Right. So these cards gaining you life back is going to enable those cards, give you the life to pay for your sweet effects from your, your vampires mm-hmm. that are bloodthirsty for your life force. It's kind of a bummer that the pacifism effect costs four mana rather than two, so I don't quite know how that changes uh, my evaluation of it, but I'm just going to start kind of high on it and i gave it a b minus 
Yeah, I I couldn't decide between C plus and B minus. I wrote C plus slash B minus in my grades. Uh, I'm I'm gonna go a little lower than that. And I'm gonna give it a C plus. Great. Next up, we've got Pterodon Knight. That's how you say that, right? I think it's not so. Not the Pterodon. Yeah. Pterodon Knight. Silent P. Three and a white for a three three creature human knight. Pterodon Knight has flying as long as you control a dinosaur. This card looks like pretty good to me yeah me too oh i was wondering this is a card i was wondering how we were gonna split on yeah i think this card looks really good like yeah you've got it's probably only at home in white red or white green because those are the other two colors you're gonna get dinosaurs and you want a lot of dinosaurs to be able to make this a four mana three three flyer consistently but if it is that is a lot for a common my god yeah that's that's definitely significantly below rate so i give this a c plus i'm excited about this card yeah, I gave this a C plus as well. Next up, we have Queen's Commission. This is two and a white for a sorcery. It says create two one one white vampire creature tokens with lifelink. This card is fine. I think this is like a pretty solid common. I gave this a C. Yep, I gave it a C as well. Moving onwards, Raptor Companion. One and a white for a creature. It's a dinosaur, and it's a vanilla 3-1. Again, like a good, solid, aggressive common. I think this seems like another C to me. I'm I'm a little lower on this. I gave it a, a C minus. I think you know last set we were touting how bad X ones were. Mm-hmm. I think X ones are going to be pretty bad again. Really? There's already like white. If you're playing against a white deck, they are going to have one one vampire creature tokens running around. Yeah. Which means like your X ones are going to look. And this is a card that wants to attack. I think as an X one, mm-hmm. this is going to look pretty embarrassing. Like when somebody has a one one vampire token on the other side of the table, and there's going to be cards that I think explore so when a creature explores if it misses a land it gets a plus one plus one counter and turns into a pretty reasonably sized body but if it doesn't if it hits a land it kind of there's a lot of there might be like a lot of one twos or two two dorks like lying around that have already explored and hit their land they're gonna like your opponent's gonna be thrilled to trade those off i think with for a card after they drew their land off of it um and there's some cards in red that, that punish x ones as well yeah. All right. You convinced me. C minus. Stupid little raptor. <laughs> What's next? Next up is Ritual of Rejuvenation. It's two and a white for an instant. It says you gain four life and draw a card. Now, this is not quite what I would call incidental life gain. This is pretty dental life gain, right? Yeah, but I mean, it replaces itself, so it's not horrible. Yeah, but you're like never main decking this, right? Probably not. I gave it a D. Yeah, I gave it a D also. I don't think we've seen it yet. Maybe there's some rares. I didn't quite remember seeing any, like, uncommons or commons that, like, gave you bonuses for gaining life in a turn. But maybe if you've got a lot of those, like, drain effects from black, you want you want to put this in your main deck. But I'm not, not convinced yet. Sorry. Go ahead. Let's move on. Yeah. Shining Aerosaur is next. It's four and a white for another dinosaur. It's a three, four flying creature. This card is big. This card is big. A three, four flyer for five? That's pretty good. I... I don't know. It seems very solid to me. Yeah, I, I did not see tons of flyers running around. And the ones that I did see seemed pretty big like this and seemed pretty good. I could see this being like a pretty good a pretty good finisher. Like similarly to how we unrated, underrated Avon of Enduring Hope at the beginning of the last format, I could mm-hmm. I could see this card being, you know, maybe at that level or close to that level. It doesn't have the life gain tacked onto it, but a 3-4 flyer, and especially if you get some of the dinosaur cards that ramp you or you get some treasure and you drop this on turn four i mean yeah i think also the four toughness is might be a slight like not quite like actually gaining three life but it's gonna block a lot better creatures in this format seem pretty small 
I think like two power, three power seems like pretty. I mean, aside from the dinosaurs, I think this is going to block pretty well the three power creatures that seem to be um, the majority of this format, as as far as I can tell. So I think the the, the four toughness is going to be pretty relevant on this card. Yeah, I gave it a C plus. What'd you give it? Um, I just went C, but I I think I'm probably wrong. Um, but I'm gonna just stick with a nice solid C. Um, next up is Skyblade of the Legion, one and a white for a one three vampire soldier with flying. It feels like one three flyers for two are just always better in limited than we think they are. I agree, and it's a vampire, and it's gonna trigger raid. Like I think a cheap flyer. If you've Ooh, got that's raid good. Cards, I keep forgetting about gonna, raid. Like, yeah, I mean, like raid is raid is easy to turn on. I think if you want to turn it on, but like a card that's a cheap flyer, mm-hmm. just like having a very reliable way to turn on raid when you want to, like does some serious work. Yeah. Like curving, curving skyblade of the legion, you're gonna see in black when we get to black. There's a three drop common that makes uh, target opponent discard a card if you have raid. Like if you're in a vampire's deck and you go two drop skyblade of the legion attack two two vampire opponent discards a card, and then you've got some vampire synergies going on. That's a very real start to a game of magic yeah i agree all right sweet uh what'd you give it i gave it a c yeah i gave it a c as well what's next next up we've got slash of talons it's a single white for an instant that says slash of talons deals two damage to target attacking or blocking creature so a little worse than impeccable timing (laughs) yeah but but i don't know this card seems like there's going to be a lot of early plays from people because they're going to want to be turning on raid and there's there's not a plethora of cheap removal in this set most of the removal seems pretty clunky to me so i could see this like this doesn't look good to me it does not look good to me either (laughs) (laughs) but i could see this ending up like being better than how bad it looks if that makes sense yeah because there's a lack of cheap removal so do you want to start higher on it and be right if it's good or do you want to start lower on it and be right if it's bad uh i i gave it a c minus i gave it a c minus as well but i am like stating that i think this might secretly be a little better than it looks i don't know i don't know well, all right we'll, we'll see only time will tell all right next up we've got sunrise seeker four and a white for a three three human scout with vigilance and it says when sunrise seeker enters the battlefield it explores so that basically means it's either going to be a five mana three three vigilance that draws you a land or a 5-mana 4-4 Vigilance with Scry 1 attached to it. Yeah, so I was thinking, and I'm curious to see what your take on it. This is our first instance of Explore, right? So my theory is that the Explore is going to be better on the cheaper creatures. Like, the yes. more expensive the the Explore creature is, the less good it is. Because for this card, like, I think I'm really hoping for a 4-4 Vigilance. And it, once I've already hit 5-mana, I'm probably going to be disappointed if I Explore into a land. Maybe not disappointed, but, like... Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially with with the preponderance of like treasure tokens floating around, it feels like once you get to five mana, like uh, I'm not gonna, I don't need more lands probably if I've got some like a few treasures floating around. So I think I agree with that. This still seems like pretty good to me though. I don't know the the fact that it doesn't have relevant a relevant creature type kind of bums me out a little bit. Like yeah. human, human scout is not anything like it's not not helping turn on other things that like care about dinosaurs or care about vampires or whatever. So, I, I don't know. I just landed on a solid C for this card. I'm a little lower than that. I gave it a C-. minus. I think I'm going to be picking the Aerosaur over Sunrise Seeker. I think I would rather have a 5-mana 3-4 Flyer than, than a 5-mana 4-4 four, four Vigilance. I think I agree with that. 
Yeah. All right. Maybe it is just a seam. Explore just still seems powerful. Explore, Explore is good. I could be way wrong. I mean, I do think Explore is very good, but I think Explore gets a little bit worse the more expensive the card is. Yeah, I guess if, if yes. Aerosaur versus Seeker, you're like always taking Aerosaur, it seems like. I, I don't know. That's, that before, But the creatures are small, so a 4-4 Vigilance could just be huge in the format. Yeah, that's true. You, you might be right. We'll see. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go C as well. I'm actually going gonna, gonna to go up a little bit. I'm gonna I got him. All right. Next, we've got Territorial Hammer Skull. It's two and a white for a 2-3 dinosaur creature. Whenever Territorial Hammer Skull attacks, tap target creature and opponent controls. This is like an uncommon effect on a common right here. This is going to be very annoying on the other yep. side of the battlefield. Because I feel like I'm going to play against it way more than I'm going to play with it. Yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's pretty good, right? Well, but it's only good in aggro, right? Only good in aggro for sure. Yeah. But it's very good at being good in aggro. And it stacks so well. Like, you have two of these on the battlefield, and it's not an insane thing because it's just a common. I think you could get, like, two or three of these in your deck. You're going to be beating down if that is the case. Yeah. It's not embarrassing if you're not beating down. A two mana two three is not embarrassing. No. It's not great, but it's not embarrassing. Um, I, I gave this a C. I gave this a C plus. Ooh. I think this card's going to be good. Yeah. I think, that, so I, I graded my the white cards first, and then as I was, like, going through the rest of the colors, I, like, then I had to go back and relook because, you know, then you have a better sense of the, the format as a whole, and it does seem like the format tends towards aggressive decks a little bit, at least on first look. Yes. I, yeah, I agree. I think partially because the removal is so clunky. Yeah, and raid exists, so it's, like, a benefit for beating down. All right, last white common is Vampire's Zeal. This is one white mana for an instant. Target creature gets plus two, plus two until end of turn. If it's a vampire, it gains first strike until end of turn. One mana, plus two, plus two combat trick. Not too shabby. No, I gave it a C minus, and yeah. I think I think vampires are going to want to be attacking, and so giving your vampires first strike is pretty big game. It's kind of weird, right, that it gets the toughness boost and it it also gives the first strike thing well it makes it better it makes it better in other color combinations too besides just white black right for sure yeah all right so now comes the time then the rankings. i'm so i'm so nervous about these <laughs> top common rankings after like last time you know like i looked and i spent you know i spent a decent amount of time like uh -huh. thinking about what i thought the top commons were but after being so wrong and like the whole format i mean <laughs> having to talk about how we were wrong i like thought really really hard like yeah. real hard about my top commons this time around i think these were harder to evaluate than the hour of devastation ones were yeah for sure all right so i think we, we we i don't know but i think we'll be in agreement on number one i put pious interdiction as number one just cautiously yeah, cautiously the removal spell but i could see this going down i think there's a yeah. lot of bounce in blue and i think mm -hmm. it's kind of clunky it's four mana i mean it doesn't seem like you're often going to be getting a good rate. Like, it feels like you will often be losing mana on this interaction. You're going to, like, go f spend your four mana arrest on their three drop or their two drop or whatever. Yes. I don't think you're going to want to be in a situation where you get behind in this format and are having to use your removal, like, on cheaper creatures. That seems like a disaster scenario to me after looking at the set review. For sure. Uh, like, all of the commons and uncommons. So I'm going to put this number one, but it would not surprise me if this did not end up being the best white common. Yeah. I have Paladin of the Bloodstained as number two. I also have Paladin of the Bloodstained as number two. We're two for two so far. Two for two. So that's the the four mana three two that makes a one one uh, lifelink when it comes into play. And for number three, I think we're diverging here from yeah, what you said. I think so. I have I have Territorial Hammer Skull as my number three. I have Pterodon Knight as my number three. 
So that's okay. So Territorial Hammer Skull is the two and a white for the two three that when it attacks, tap target creature and opponent controls. And Pterodon Knight is the hill giant, uh, so three and a white for the three three that has flying as long as you control a dinosaur. Yeah, I mean, I think Pterodon Knight certainly has more setup cost, but I think. I don't think that that setup cost is going to be that difficult to like build around as you're drafting, and I think it, you're going to get a, a pretty big payoff for that card. Yeah, I gave I gave if we're giving out honorable mentions, I gave out honorable mentions because like there were so many like for the number the number three slot was really hard. Yeah, for a lot of them, I gave honorable mentions to the Pterodon Knight and Shining Aerosaur. Yes, which is the the five mana three four flyer. Great. All right. All right. I think we're so pr- pretty much on the same page there. I, I like it. Yeah, very close. Uh, moving on to uncommons. What's our first uncommon in white? Adanto Vanguard, or Adanto Vanguard, is one in a white for a 1-1 vampire soldier. And it says, as long as Adanto Vanguard is attacking, it gets plus 2 plus 0. And you can pay 4 life and say and give Adanto Vanguard indestructible until end of turn. So what does this card remind you of? I believe it rhymes with Shoketra Shmavenger. Yeah, I think so. This card is, I think, worse than Oketra's Avenger. Because... It's not always a 3-1. So the, the, the reason that Oketra's Avenger, I think, sort of stood the test of time, even as we realized that Hour of Devastation slowed down, was because it blocked pretty well still. Like, it came down two mana for a three-power creature. This card does not block very well. This card nope. is only meant for beating down. So if you're not in an aggro deck, this card, I think, has no business being in your deck. But if you are, this card is, like, nearly unblockable. Because if they're going to block it, you're probably trading with something. And then you can just pay for life if you want to, to just kill that creature. So I gave this a B minus, but basically like it's a B minus if it's making your deck. And that means it's B minus in aggro, I think. And if you're not in aggro, this card should not be in your main deck. I agree. I gave it a C plus. I mean, we're, we're close. Yeah. All right. Next up is a monster. This card is going to be a house in limited. Bellowing Aegisaur. Five and a white for a three-five dinosaur, and it has enrage, and it says whenever bellowing Aegisaur is dealt damage, put a plus one plus one counter on each other creature you control. Interesting. I'm not as like I'm not. I don't see this card as being a, a house right now. Talk to me about it. Uh, it, it pumps your really? Yeah. Uh, it looks insane to me. It pumps your whole team. So white. I think white already is going to want to be going wide with vampires mm-hmm. and. Like, so if I've got, like, three or four 1-1 one, one vampires floating around and my Bellowing Aegisaur takes some damage and turns them all into 2-2 two, two life-linking vampires, that seems insanely good to me. This card reminds me of, oh, God, what was the 5-5 five, five that, like, pumped your whole team when it entered the battlefield? Oh, I don't know what you're talking about. It was, uh... It's time for another edition of Name That Card. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm Tusker, Croson Tusker, Bellowings. No, Bellowing Aegisaur is the card in front of me. I have no idea. <laughs> All right, we have some lovely parting gifts for you, Ben. It was <laughs> it was three green green for a five five, and when it entered the battlefield, you put a plus one plus one counter on oh, each other creature right, you right, control. Right. Yes, yes, yes. I now know that that like mythic uncommon from Ether Revolt. See, this card seems like on par with that, if not better, because you can continually trigger it. No, so here's the deal, though. That card you got to control when your team got pumped. You don't get to control that. So like. You play this as a 6-mana 3-5, which is embarrassing. Let's just start there. Yeah. And then your opponent, like, so if all your opponent has is, like, ground creatures, and you happen to have, like, a bunch of creatures on the battlefield that you're, like, hoping to pump up, they're probably not attacking into this anyway. Um, because, like, if, if you've got a sort of board state that wants you to pump up all your creatures. But even if they did want to attack into this, it's, like, probably advantageous for them. 
And if they don't, then you don't get the effect. And so then you're on your next turn, and this is still just a six mana three five, and you, I guess, are attacking into them. And they again get to decide, like, what's better for me, taking three damage or them getting to pump their team. I, I don't know. I think this card is a little clunkier than you're giving it credit for. Maybe slightly, but I mean, there's also cards seated into the set that are supposed to trigger Enrage, right? I mean, there's there's stuff in red that just like there's a there's a red thing that like replaces it, like a crash through in red that this is insane with, and also like there's a couple fight effects in green that this is great with, and and there's dual shot in red to like ping this and ping an X one on their side of the battlefield. Yeah. I think if you're like so, I think if you're drafting this card, maybe it's okay. So maybe my scenario of vampires is not good. So maybe you're going to need to be pairing this with red or green to take advantage of the fight effects Mm -hmm. i actually didn't even think about the fight effects triggering enrage that's kind of a cool Mm -hmm. when i was going through the set review that's kind of a cool interaction but i this effect is so powerful it's very powerful i i I guess i would also be higher on it if it pumped itself but it doesn't so i'd be interested to see what the grade is i gave this a c plus like i don't think this is terrible by any stretch of the imagination but i don't think this pulls me into white Wow, I gave this a B plus. Ooh, we got we got our our first car to check in on here for sure. All right, great. Oh, I'm so excited about this set review. Um, <laughs> okay, next up is Bright Reprisal. This is four and a white for an instant. It says destroy target attacking creature and draw a card. Oh man, like it's like very sweet text, but that costs five mana. Like. It doesn't seem like it's going to take a long time in this format for your white opponent to pass with five mana up and you to go, okay, I don't, I don't need to attack this turn. Yeah, it's, it's clunky as all get out. But if you get your opponent with it, it is powerful. Yeah, I mean, the, the fact that it's just destroy the creature is crazy. I think, I think this is going to be great at the start of the format because no one will play around it or very few people will play around it. And then I think as we progress, you're going to be... I think this is going to get clunkier and clunkier in your deck as people um, are aware of it more and more. I would agree. What grade did you give it? I gave it a C plus. I gave it a B minus. Cool. Because I'm a sucker for card advantage. Yeah. No, th- 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 those two those two lines of text next to each other is just beautiful. Yeah. All right. Next up, we've got Duskborn Sky Marcher. Single white for a creature. It's a vampire cleric, a 1-1 flyer, and it has single white tap Target attacking vampire gets plus one, plus one until end of turn. Here's another vampire payoff Yeah, the uncommons. Yeah, I forgot about this guy. Seems like a build-around card to me. Um, like a one-mana, one-one flyer is very nearly worth a card, but I think still not quite worth a card. So I'd want to have some sort of critical mass of vampires in my deck because once you do, this, this effect is really annoying and can make combat pretty miserable for your opponent. That and I think there's a lot of good raiding vampires, so it being a one drop, one one flyer early, like is gonna trigger raid for your vampires and then later it's gonna pump your vampires. I think this card just does everything you're gonna want to do in a white black vampires deck. Yeah, for sure. Would you still give it a build around grade or no? I, g- I gave it a build around. I give it a I think you're only gonna want it in a dedicated white black vampires deck. I gave it a build around B minus. I gave it a build around B actually. Yeah. Ooh, that's weird because I felt like I was higher on it <laughs> talking about it than you were. Surprise. All right, next up we've got another Explore card. This is Emissary of Sunrise, two and a white for a 2-1 Human Cleric with First Strike, and when it enters the battlefield, Explore. So either a 3-2 First Strike that lets you scry one, or a 2-1 First Strike that draws you a land. Both of those things sound amazing to me. I agree. Like, very nice little efficient package there. I give this card a B. 
I gave this card a B too. I think it's rock solid, and I think regardless of what happens with it, you're going to be very happy you played it on turn three. Yeah, absolutely. Next up, we've got Glorifier of Dusk. This is an insanely cool card. This yeah. Is three, three white white for a creature. It's a vampire soldier. It's a 4-4, four, four, and it has two different abilities that use life. You can pay two life to give it flying until end of turn, and you can pay two life to give it vigilance until the end of the turn. So it has, has the ability to become an air elemental and has the ability to become like a vigilance air elemental so that you can block with it on the ground the following turn if you really need to. I think we call that Sarah Angel. I think you would call that Sarah Angel for four life. <laughs> yeah. Build your own Sarah. Except you got to pay six life to get the Sarah Angel on blocks. That's true. That's true. You do. That's a hefty amount of life there. That's a hefty amount of life. Yeah, I don't anticipate that happening a lot. I feel like the most common mode for this is going to be pay two to give it flying. And it's not going to take long for your opponent to just be dead to that. I think this card is, again, uh, rock solid. I gave it a B. I agree. Rock solid, and I gave it a B. Next up, what do we have? Oh, boy, this card. Imperial Aerosaurs, three and a white for a 3-3 three, three dinosaur with flying. And it says, when Imperial Aerosaur enters the battlefield, another target creature you control gets plus one, plus one, and gains flying until end of turn. I mean, what? This is an absurdly powerful card, I think. Yep, it's very, very good. Yeah, I mean, just a four-mana 3-3 three, three flyer on its own is great. And then the fact that it's going to basically, you can probably set this up to deal an extra three, four damage to your opponent that they weren't expecting to have to take because you give the creature flying as well as a little buff. I think this card is fantastic and I gave it a B plus. Ooh, wow. I'm not quite that high on it. I gave it a B. Oh yeah. No, I think, I think this is, yeah, I'm very excited about this card. So you think this is better than Glorifier of Dusk? I do. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Maybe looking at them side by side, I kind of agree with that. Huh. It's cheaper, it always has flying, and that end of the yeah. battlefield effect is really, really strong. Yeah, so it's probably something to the tune of, like, 4-mana 3-3 three, three flyer when it enters the battlefield, deal 4 damage to your opponent. That's that's insane! Yeah, that's that's really good. Alright, you, you talked me into it. Uh, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go up to a B+. Sweet. Next up, we've got Imperial Lancer. This is a single white for a creature. It's a human knight. It's a 1-1. One, one. Imperial Lancer has double strike as long as you control a dinosaur. This card does not excite me. No, we are leaving the realm of Bs in our white uncommons. <laughs> yeah, we are. Would you leave the realm of Cs? I also left the realm of Cs. We, I almost got down to F. I gave this card a D-. minus. Whoa, okay. I think uh, I think a lot of your, like, triggers rate... I, I think it'll depend, like, how good aggro is in the format. So I'm not quite as low as that. I, I'd give it a D+, plus, but I could see wanting this. It's just that, like, dinosaurs don't want raid that much. Right. That's what I, I was. That's what that was my thing. Like, where is this card going? And where's like, this card I don't going? Care about the, I don't care about this card in my dinosaurs deck at all. I want my cheap cards to be cards that ramp me to my dinosaurs. And if this card doesn't have double strike, it's just horrible. There are a couple cheap dinosaurs. Like there's like the there's like a two mana two one haste in red, but it just doesn't feel like very early. This is going to get double strike. And even once it does, you need auras or equipment to really take advantage of that. So you need like dinosaurs and. Some sort of ways to buff this. All right, I, this is bad. What did you give it? I gave it a, I said D plus at the start, but maybe it's even worse than that. I don't know. Maybe it's just like a D or D minus, like you said. We'll, we'll see. I mean, if for it to be good, you need to be in dinosaurs, and ideally, you'd need to have ways to buff it. Yeah. Uh, next up, what do we have? All right, Inspiring Cleric, two and a white for a 3-2. Uh, vampire Cleric, and it says, when Inspiring Cleric enters the battlefield, you gain four life. Man, that's a lot of incidental life gain. Three mana, three, two, that gains you four. That's just very solid, I think. Yep, it's very, very good. Um, I gave it a C plus. I gave it a C plus as well. Sweet. What's next? Next, we've got a good one. Ixalan's Binding, 
three and a white for an enchantment. When it enters the battlefield, exile target non-land permanent and opponent controls until Ixalan's Binding leaves the battlefield, and your opponents can't cast spells with the same name as the exiled card. So kind of an Oblivion Ring variant here. Yeah, I like that second part of it, that like, it feels like then you're incentivized to put it on, the like if you know they have two or three of a thing, um, you might be more incentivized to put it on that. Um, but you're probably going to just put it on whatever the biggest threat on the battlefield is against you when you cast it. But this is great. Like, this is just unconditional removal that can also hit non-creature uh, permanents as well. I think this is fantastic. I gave it a B+. Plus. Uh, I, I wasn't quite that high on it. I think it's a little clunky. I gave it I gave it a B. I mean, I think it's good. You're always playing it, and it's going to make you want to play white. What did you think cast out was? I thought cast out was a B+, because I had flash. Like, I think this not being able to like operate at instant speed but for how expensive it is that would make it pretty hard for me to give it higher than just a straight b all right like you're, you're never getting a two for one off this right unless your opponent played some aura on their creature or something yeah but you do just like get the thing you get the best thing on the other side of the board we're splitting hairs we're splitting hairs. plus but i mean i'm not quite as excited about it all right um rallying roar is next this is two and white for an instant creatures you control get plus one plus one until end of turn untap them this makes me groan a little bit just seeing this text because I know I'm going to get wrecked by this card. Yep, every time you're playing against a white deck and you want an alpha, you're going to think, what if they have Rallying Roar? Yeah. <laughs> it's bad, man. Um, this card seems pretty good. Like The plus one plus one buff is makes it much worse on... I don't know, it's a little clunky. I feel like we've seen things like this before that like... Or did we see this exact card? No, that also had lifelink. You know that one? It was like three and a white... For the same effect, but it also gave all your creatures lifelink. Now that card was a huge blowout. This I think less so, but still very good. And if you're, again, we're looking, seeing like there is some go wide vampire stuff that makes tokens that I think this really takes advantage of. But it makes it feel like it's more likely a build around in that case. So I, I gave it a build around C. Uh, I gave it a straight C minus, but I, I agree and I see where you're going with the build around. Yeah. Next up, we've got Sheltering Light. It's a single white for an instant. It says target creature gains indestructible until end of turn, then scry one. This card seems like mediocre at best to me. On the lower end of combat tricks? Yeah, I mean, I gave it a D. I could see just starting it in the sideboard and bringing it in if your opponent has a lot of removal. Yeah, I think that's, it's very similar to, what was it, Hapatra's Mark? The, like, yep. hexproof remove counter things? Like, yeah, very similar. I think it's mostly just going to be sideboard and bring it in against a lot of removal. And pro- probably going to be better in sealed than in draft because there's going to be a lot more removal floating around in sealed generally. And in sealed, you're going to have like better, theoretically better creatures to protect or like bombs to protect. Right. All right. Our last uncommon is Steadfast Armasaur. It's three and a white for a two, three dinosaur with vigilance. It has one and a white tap. Steadfast Armasaur deals damage equal to its toughness to target creature blocking or blocked by it. Yeah, this is a, this is a tricky one to evaluate. Yeah. And it's a, it's a cool card. I agree. So, so it's a four mana two three vigilance, which is bad. Like, so we saw that card. It was steadfast sentinel, right? And it had a back half. Had a back half, which so like that card. The front side was very unexciting, but the fact that you got to rebuy it for a four four later in the game was great. This like, you basically need to untap with it, and then it feels like it's kind of a an unblockable two three. Yeah, that's that's what I said about it too. I said I think this was an aggressive card because it's gonna be it's gonna be difficult to block and it trades up pretty well. But its stats are so bad that it doesn't. It feels like you would want like in an aggressive deck, you would want that uh, what was it, the Paladin of the Bloodstained over this all day. 
the life. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So it's not that aggressive. No, it's a it's a weird card. So the on on attacks or on blocks, if you have two open mana, it can trade up to a five toughness creature. Right. Mm-hmm. You can trade with something that's got five toughness because it'll deal its combat damage and it will have dealt the three toughness damage that it owns to whatever it's blocking or whatever's blocking it. Right. So yeah, yeah, it can trade up in that sense. I don't know where where did you come down on it with a letter grade? I just gave it a straight C minus. It d- doesn't seem exciting to me. It it looks like a very cool card, and it looks like it should be a lot better than I think it is when you end up thinking about it. Yeah, I, I wonder if it's if it. I wonder if it isn't an aggressive card. I wonder if it's just like because the creatures are small that it's going to be once you get to untap with it, it's going to do a really good job of like holding the ground while you build out your like other fat dinosaur creatures. So maybe it's deceptively not aggressive. I don't know. But yeah, I, I gave it a C. I don't, I don't know how to evaluate this yet. I need to see it on the battlefield. Well, and I think another thing I didn't think about, maybe I'm going to go C as well. It does wear equipment very well and auras, right? Mm-hmm. So if you can suit this thing up, then it becomes a real house. For sure. Like if, it, if you're attacking, like there's, we saw there's an equipment we're going to see in the artifacts that's pi- Pirate's Cutlass, I think. It's yeah. plus two, plus two, plus one. So if you turn this into a 4-4 four, four Vigilance that can deal four damage to something that's attacking or blocking it, then all of a sudden it's a it's a pretty real threat. I'm a, I was a little low. I think I'm going to go C. All right. Ooh, time to rank the top two uncommons. Yeah, we're going to be different here. I'm okay. certain. <laughs> yeah. Well, what do you got as number one? I've got number one as Bellowing Aegisaur. Uh, that's the five and a white for the three five within Rage. Get out of here. No, I, dude. Better than Imperial Aerosaur? I think so. Whoa. Whoa. Okay. Imperial Aerosaur is not cracking my, my top uncommons here. Well, that's because you did, thought it was worse than Glorifier of Dusk. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow. Okay. Well, I'm a sucker for removal, so I put Ixalan's Binding as number one. That's interesting. And then I assume your number two is Imperial Aerosaur? Yeah, very close number two is Imperial Aerosaur. I've got Bellowing Aegisaur number one, like pretty handily, and then <laughs> Ix- Ixalan's Binding number two. And I, I would say like Imperial Aerosaur would be a close third for me. Yeah. Well, then, I mean, I guess it's just going to depend on how good the Bellowing Aegisaur is. Yeah, I'm very excited to to check that one out because one of us is going to be right. <laughs> <laughs> so we will, and I we, hope it's me. <laughs> we'll have it covered on the podcast. Someone will have been right about that card. Yep. All right, that's going to do it for White. Check us out next episode for our Blue Cyber. Yep, we'll see you in just a bit.